Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. All right, John 7, verse 37. It says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Joe didn't know my sermon either, so he, he had a little a drink in verse 2, which is good. Actually, the title of my sermon today is, Are You Thirsty? Something we should be asking ourselves often. Verse 38, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your presence. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, to increase in this room as we explore your scripture, as we walk through this together today, we just invite just the angelic host ministry of angels in this place. We ask for healing. We ask for your sovereign grace to be released. Lord, I even ask that different ones would step into destiny this morning. Holy Spirit, we lean into you today. We lean into your presence. Thank you, Lord. One of the things that I have, um, I've learned in life, and I'm sure you guys all know too, we have mountaintops and we have valleys and we have everything in between. And I think a lot of times, at least in church culture, we're striving for the mountaintop, which is good. You know, there's the invitation, the Lord, you know, to come up the mountain. But in reality, we have to learn to appreciate every season of life that we're in. And we have to learn how to walk with God through every season. You know, even during worship, the Lord was highlighting Psalms 23 to me. We can actually turn there. I know it's not, I didn't give it to you, Ratul, but I believe in you. Psalms 23. Right in the beginning, as soon as they started, it was just Psalms 23. And I'll, I'll read it to us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's his name's sake. Right, and I love, we're going to read the whole thing, but one of the things right in the beginning, who's leading us? The Lord, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit. Whichever part of him you want. But he is leading. So who's not leading? Us. 
Who else isn't leading? The devil. Right? We're going to get here in a second. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. So when we're sitting at the table, there's three people present. You're present. Your enemy is present. But so is the Lord. And in a life where he's leading, it doesn't mean we're never going to encounter the hard stuff. But when I'm sitting at the table, which, by the way, the Lord has prepared for me, I have an option. I can, I can look at what the enemy's doing because he's at the table too. I could navel gaze and I can look at myself or I could look at the one who prepared the table. When we walk through the valley, who's leading us? The Lord. Come on. Uh, not a trick question. When we walk through the valley, who's leading us? When we walk through the valley, who is leading us? He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. It's... Sometimes we read the scripture, and I know I say this often and sound like a broken record, but I'll keep saying it. But it's not, these are not just words. These are our realities as the saints of God. What is a saint? A saint is a holy one. Ephesians 1, it says, to the saints, to the ones who have been made holy. By who? Christ. He leads us in every season. Does he cause bad things to happen? I don't believe so. We won't go into that right, right now today. But when bad things are going on, he's there with us. And the point I'm making here is even when we're not in the mountaintop where it's like everything's working out, we're seeing the promises, we're, you know, it's working out at my job. It's working out with my family. All the, the natural things, the supernatural things, the spiritual life, the family life, we are just flying high. You know, it's probably August. It's warm. It's, you know, out of school, whatever. But when we get into the valley, it's like we literally, sometimes it feels like we literally just forget all of our theology. And we walk away from the truths that we are so confident in when we're on the mountaintop. Because it's easy to see the hand of the Lord in the mountaintop. But it actually takes you putting hope and trust and faith in the Lord when you're in the valley. Knowing, okay, this is hard, but I need to remind myself he's leading. So that when I get to the table... The table of strife, the table of decision, the table of confrontation, the table of loss, the table of trauma, the table of trial. Whatever the table is being set in the presence of the enemy, the thing that's coming against me, again, I need to remind myself, who will I put my eyes on? The Lord. He leads me. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. What does that mean? It's not just... We needed moisturizer. It's, it's the anointing. 
he comes and he gives us New Testament reality here, which David didn't have. He, he anoints you with the Holy Spirit. He gives you a helper. And I love this verse, verse six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Do you know what the, in the Greek, in the original, what that, that word all means? It means all. Surely, goodness, meaning you have a stalker called goodness and mercy. It's, do you understand? It, this isn't a debate. God said it that if you are with him, you are a son, you're a daughter, then it doesn't matter what's going on, even when you're walking through the valley, no, he's in front of you and what's behind you. Goodness and mercy. Do you see the wisdom of the God that we serve? Mean, meaning there's nothing that comes into your life that you cannot handle. If it's in your life, if a, a trial is coming into your life, and maybe it's a mental thing, maybe it's a relational thing, maybe it's a workplace thing, whatever it is, if it's encountering you and you're encountering it, know this, you have been equipped to walk through it. And not only have you been equipped to walk through it, you don't have to walk through it alone. You get to walk with him. And there's also another sidestep. You get to walk through it with community, with people. It's the whole thing of doing thing, things together, being in community. Why is it important to be in community? Because when you're on the mountaintop, it's probably easy to just go do things alone. But when you're in the valley, sometimes you need people to remind you, hey, this isn't your destination. The Lord is with you and he's leading you. Even when it doesn't feel like he's not, that he is, he is leading you. Even when it feels like nothing good is going to happen and no mercy is coming my way, no, it is. It is. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sorry, I just felt like we needed to do that. It's not part of the message. Back to John 7. On the last day, the festival, he stood up, and Jesus is shouting with a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And at the end, it says, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, when we read that word glorified, it means to be lifted up. So, yes, it's the, the, the same idea of, of the ascension, but, but it's even more than that. To glorify the Lord it means that he is being lifted up. Maybe it's his, we're lifting him in, in our worship. Maybe we're lifting him up. We're glorifying him in the preaching of the word. In our daily life, in our, our walk with the Lord, as we walk in righteousness, as we walk as a light, we are glorifying him. And in, in a sense, we are lifting him up. And so we have this reality of this glorifying of the Lord. And we have to understand that not only was he lifted up in the ascension, but he was lifted up onto the cross. And he was lifted in the resurrection. And he was lifted in the ascension. 
this is what the father was, was doing to Jesus, was walking Jesus through. And this reality of the Lord dying, then being raised, and then ascending to the Father, it, it, it wasn't just this thing so that we could be forgiven and then we could go to heaven, though that is the reality. You know, he died so that we could have eternal life with him. But it was more than that. There was this invitation or really this open door to receive of the power of God. That the power of the Holy Spirit would fall upon us, which would fulfill Old Testament prophecies and promises that he made to Ezekiel and Jeremiah. And his death and his ascension, it wasn't just simply to fulfill or to, to be the fulfillment or the answer to the law that would then lead us into a new covenant. But it was this reality where there was this invitation pre-death and resurrection. They would write the laws or the ways of God on tablets. Now he would write it upon our hearts. There was a transition happening in his glorification, in his lifting up, in his ascension, where we were coming into this reality of him drawing nearer and drawing closer to us. Which is greater access. We saw glimpses of it with Moses. We saw glimpses of it with David. But the New Testament church would have greater access to the glory and the power of God than anyone else in history before the death of Jesus and his resurrection. Now this is good news. It's better than your response. It's too late. It's fine. But this, this Holy Spirit who would rest upon Samson, who would rest upon Moses, who would rest upon David, this same Holy Spirit who would then come, a little later on we see he comes in Acts 1 and 2, this same Holy Spirit that was working throughout the Old Testament, he's not just going to come and rest on his church. He's going to come and dwell inside of us. Which op opens up a whole new world for us. Jesus came and died in order that this new covenant with an emphasis upon the Holy Spirit being poured out would be the church's reality. And as he is poured out in our midst, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit have then been given to the church. And this is important to God. This is an important reality. Why? Why are the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts being poured out, important to God? Because when we function in the gifts and we do things that are impossible for us to do outside of the power and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the Father, when we do those things, we bring glory to God and we lift him up. And we're lifting him up. And why are we lifting him up? We're lifting him up for all men to see. The father wants his son to be glorified. And the son wants the father to be glorified. We saw in the life of Jesus that he would only do and he would only say what he saw and what he, what he heard the father doing and what the father said. He wanted to glorify his Father in heaven. And in the same way, we're invited into this lifestyle of bringing glory to the Lord. And one of the ways that we do that 
is by walking and functioning in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Again, verse 37, he said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Like I said, my title today is, Are You Thirsty? And I'm asking myself the same question. Rich, are you thirsty? And there's this saying, you know, that you could, you could bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And I, I love what Randy Clark says. He goes, but if you take a bunch of salt and you pour it in the horse's mouth, you probably have a much better chance of getting him to drink. And my prayer today is that this, would, this message would be like salt in your mouth. My prayer is that when you come to church on Sundays, when you come here on Sunday, that it would be as if you're having salt poured into your mouth. Now, I love salty food. I mean, whatever. But you're thirsty afterwards. It's the natural response. But what are we? We're salt and light. There's a lot of things that salt can do. It can add flavor. It brings flavor out. But it also makes people thirsty. I'm sure it does a bunch of other things. We'll have medical professionals come tell us. But good and bad. But one of the things that just naturally is it makes us thirsty. And I know, at least in my life, I've had times and seasons where I'll just you know, be doing the church thing. I'll come in, and I'll just realize... You know what? I'm not as I'm not as thirsty. I'm not as, as hungry as, as I used to be in other seasons of my life. Or, or, or maybe it, it feels like I'm not thirsty at all. And we go through seasons and we go through times. And, and I would ask myself the question, and I encourage you to do it today for yourself. Am I thirsty? Am I longing? Am I hungry for the things of God? Have I lost that same desire that maybe I once had when I first came to know him? Have I lost that same, that same drive, that same urgency as those seasons where it just seemed like the Lord could say boo and that's all we needed him to say and like our whole day was just filled with joy and, and glory. You know, we've, we've had seasons on the other, other side of that where it's just like you wake up and he's there. You, you go to work and he's there. You go hang out with your friends, he's there. You go to sleep, he's there. And it's just like this thing where he is just so apparent the presence is just so present. Your life is just so filled with life. And there's this thing where we have this reality that it says in the scripture, and then our cup is overflowing. But then there's those times where it just, it does feel like our cup is half empty. And I'm just like, Lord, I know, I feel my cup's half empty, but at the same time, I'm not even thirsty. I'm not even looking for a drink. What is going on on the inside of me that even though I'm feeling the drought, if you will, even though I'm feeling the dryness, I'm feeling my lips get chapped and get cracked, but yet there's still not this desire to drink. What is going on? Are you thirsty? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Yeah, just turn there with me. says, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given 
the one spirit to drink. We were all given the one spirit to drink. So we've received the Holy Spirit. I would, I would assume that most people here have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you're not, then we'll, we'll pray for you to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But when we receive of the Holy Spirit, it's not just so we can check off a box of Christianity timeline. You know, you receive Christ, repent of your sins, you get water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, tell people, like, we're not checking off boxes. And one of these experiences is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's not meant to be this singular event. But one of the invitations, and as we're reading here, one of our realities is we are to drink of him. We're to drink of the Spirit of God. And my question is, have you been drinking? You know, many of us, we, we kind of put everything on God's end of the spectrum, meaning this walk of life in Christianity, we're, we're kind of like in this wait mode. We're, well, I'm waiting on God. Well, if the, this is my favorite one, if the Lord wills, and I get it, I get the phrase because we don't know what we have tomorrow, but I'm like, hey, are we going to see you next week? If the Lord wills. I'm like, well, no, he actually does will it, so I'm not sure why you're responding in that way, but I get it, but I get it, you know, Lord willing, like, oh, how you, f you know, I'm getting better, Lord willing. No, the Lord wills that you would get better. The Lord, the Lord wills that you would grow. The Lord wills that you would be in community. And so it's not a question of like, hey, are we going to see you next week? Lord willing. Because then, do you know what I hear in between the Lord willing? Something bad might happen, so I may not come to church. Something might happen to me and I won't be able to get there. There is this underlying, if the Lord's willing, that is laced with doubt and unbelief. And one of these things, you know, I want to drink of the Holy, I want to be filled, I want this gift, or whatever it is, you know, we'll, we talk about it, we preach about it, but then there's kind of like this, yes, I want it if the Lord's willing. No, the Lord is willing. The lights are good, it was just the, we're good. It was the computer. The Lord is willing, and he's inviting us to drink and as I was saying, sometimes we, we think that everything is on God's end and we don't realize that he has already made everything possible and available to us. Now, I know there's a difference between what we have available to us and what's currently in our possession. It's the whole example of like, you got, we all have money in the bank, but we don't necessarily have it on our person. It's available to us, but sometimes we need to go to the ATM or go to the bank and make a withdrawal so that the thing that we have that's available to us is now in our possession. And even in our walk with the Lord, we have to understand theologically, biblically, everything you need, you have available to you because you are saved and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
The moment those things happen, you now have this influx of billions of dollars in your bank account. Amen. But what you need to spend, the, the, the power, the anointing, the, the breakthrough, the perseverance, the whatever it is that you need, it actually is already available to you because you are in right standing with the Lord. But it doesn't always mean you have it in your possession. There's times we have to make withdrawals, which means we have to do something. We got to get in the car. We got to drive to the bank. We got to go to the ATM. We got to take the card out. We got to put it in. We got to punch out number. And then the cash comes out. It doesn't just show up because you will it to show up. So when he says, come to me and drink, all you are thirsty. And he's saying you, to you today, come to me and drink, all you are thirsty who are thirsty. So I'm picturing there's this jug of water that Jesus is holding, and he's got a bunch of cups over here. And he's saying, come and drink. And yet we just sit in the seat, and we're like, yes, Lord, I want to drink. But we don't do anything to go and get the cup and reach out to him and let him pour us a glass of water. Life doesn't just happen to us. Even the Christian life, it doesn't just always happen. There are the suddenlies. There are the things where God just comes in and he makes it happen. But 99% of the time, there is a response required from us. Why? He, he delights. You know, if he just wanted to just do it, then he would have made robots. But there's this relationship. There's this invitation. There's this thing where he's like, come. Don't be afraid. Come. Yeah, you messed up this week. That's okay come anyway. Yeah, you're dealing with that sin. That's fine. The water's still for you. You're struggling with unbelief. You're struggling with an illness. You're struggling. That's okay. Come and drink. If you are thirsty, come and drink. Revelation 21 verse 6 says this. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty... I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. To the thirsty, I will give water. You know, in this scripture, in the first one we read, there's only one condition that pertains to our drinking and the giving of the Spirit to drink. Just one condition. It's not qualification. It's not education. It's just simply if you're thirsty. Scripture says that any time someone came to him hungry and thirsty, they were filled. Every time. Every time. And I love this because, and this is something, again, I've, I've said often, we are an apostolic people. That means, you know, when you study church, when you look even at today's church and historically the church, usually 20% of the people are doing 80% of the stuff, 80% of the work, Right? But there is a, a re-emerging of the apostolic church like we saw in the early church, in the Acts 1, Acts 2 church, where the Lord wants to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And that doesn't mean the 20%. That doesn't mean just the pastors and the leaders and the worship team and the ministry team. It means every person here is invited to put their hand to the plow. And not just invited, qualified. 
Because the only thing, at least in these scriptures, that qualifies you is if you're thirsty. And you might be like, well, Rich, I'm, I'm thir- I am thirsty. And I'm, yeah, I, I am too. But I want to be more thirsty. I want to be more hungry. There's this childlike thing in front of, in, inside of me that's just like, I am thirsty. But do you know what? I remember when I was 19, and I would just spend hours with a prophetic prayer stick that we found in the forest, and we would bang it on the wall and bang it on the floor and pray. I, I remember being a teenager and, and hanging out with my friends, and a Tuesday night hangout would turn into a conversation about the prayer service, which would turn into hunger and thirst, which would turn into we would just have a prayer meeting. I remember waking up and be like, thinking like, oh, what's, I remember seasons where I, I, I was more thirsty than I am right now, and I'm like, Lord, I want to be like that again. One of my favorite stories is with, in 2 Kings with the widow and Elisha. We find the widow and, and her son. They don't have any oil left, and Elisha's asking them to make him something. And she's like, no, listen, you don't understand. I got a little bit left. I'm going to make this thing. Me and my son are going to have it, and then we're going to die. And Elisha's like, I kind of picture him rolling his eyes at her and like, are you kidding? Do you even know who I am? Um, and so he goes, listen, do me a favor. Go and get as many jars that you can find. In fact, go to your neighbors, go to your friends, and get as many jars as you can find and bring it to me. And we know the story. She gets the jars. She brings them before Elisha. Elisha prays. And what happens? The jars start to get filled with the oil. But I love, I love this verse. It says, and when the last jar was filled, then the oil stopped. How many of you know, like, it doesn't tell us if she got 10, 20, 30, 100, but if she would have brought 20, that means she had 20 jars that were filled. But if she would have brought 100, she would have had 100 jars filled. And I don't know about you, but I don't just want to bring 20% of myself before the Lord to drink so that only 20% of me gets filled. I want to get as many, as many parts of my life as possible. I want to collect as many jars as possible so that it would be filled. There's this thing of hunger and thirst that I've been even praying to the Lord for myself. Lord, restore it in me. Can I tell you a little bit about my story? I was going to do it anyway. Um, You know, I grew up in church. One of the things I was super grateful for, uh, you know, we... Moved to New Jersey, I think it was 96. And without making this a really long story, there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Toronto in 1994. Uh, impacted the whole world. If you actually look at studies, which probably they won't publish this for years because most of the people are still living, but the impact of that outpouring alone will surpass the first two great awakenings combined. It will surpass the the souls that were saved, the churches that were started and planted, the missionary works, the, if you just take the statistics from the first and second great awakening and you combine them together, the Toronto outpouring with the ministries that have come out of that will surpass both of those combined. Huge. And we kind of take it for granted that it happened in our, at least our parents' generation. But in 96, the church that we ended up going to, they were in renewal. They were impacted by what happened in Toronto, and they were in renewal. They were in revival. So I got to grow up as a, however old, old, six or seven years old, I got to grow up in that. Now, what was I doing? I was probably 
taking a crayon or a pencil and drawing on an offering envelope for every single service. Just anything my parents could do to keep us quiet, which I don't care about that anyway. Um, I like kids in service because they're doing probably the thing we should be doing. We, a lot of times adults get distracted by kids in service because they are usually stoic during service. That's fine. Um, no, it's true. It's, it's, it says, let the children come to me. But then we, and we should have kids' church. So hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. But there shouldn't be this thing like silence. I've, I've been to a meeting with a great man of God, and I don't want to dishonor him, like super, super anointed and learned so much from him. But literally was like, your, your child is quenching the anointing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, let's get out of here. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I got to grow up in that. And I remember... We were going on a missions trip to Spain. Maybe I was 15, maybe I was 14. I don't really remember. My mom was going, so she was going to take me and my brother Mark. And we were just having a meeting just to get to know each other. Practical, smart thing to do when you're going to go spend 10 days with 40 strangers. You know, get to know each other. So then we had a moment at the end, like, let's pray for one another. Nothing, just doing the normal stuff. And I'm 14, I'm 15, I'm along for the ride. I'm like, yeah, Spain, Europe, I'll go. Like, let's do it. Um, but I also was hungry for the things of the Lord. And um, I remember just standing there. We were in like the charismatic position, uh, hands out, ready to receive. And I remember this guy, Scott Parker, he was standing. I remember it like yesterday, standing on my left. He had his hand on my hand and his other hand on my elbow. And he's praying and I could not tell you what he prayed. I don't remember that. But all I remember is in that moment, all of a sudden I got this pain behind my left ear, went down my neck and into the shoulder. And immediately in that moment, I knew that this pain was not mine. It was for someone else in the room. Now, amazing church, but we didn't teach on words of knowledge. We didn't really function in it that often. I didn't even know that term, word of knowledge. I didn't know that it was in the Bible. I didn't know that it was one of the gifts. I just knew I just knew that that's what it was. So I go up to the leader and I say, hey, I got this thing. Thank God at least he knew what it was. And so then we share it. Now, again, I'm 14. I'm terrified. So I just share what it is. Sure enough, this woman's there. Her name's Amy. She comes up. She's like, I have that exact pain. That's, you know, she was a physical trainer. I think she still is. Um, yeah, it's behind my ear, down my neck, into my shoulder. She's so like, okay, Rich, pray for her. Again, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, so I just pray in my head silently. Uh, and then other people around, but she falls out, gets up completely healed. Amazing, right? Now, I would probably go five, six years without ever getting another word of knowledge again. Because again, I was not in a place where we were learning about that or, or, or being taught that, but it was this thing where the Lord sovereignly just did something in my life and let me taste of something. I think it probably would be Randy Clark that, would eventually I would learn and, and went on a mission trip with him and then it's something that I would see happen often. But the point that I'm making is something the Lord will touch us in certain, a certain way or do things in our life, not even because we're asking for it or looking for it or even really deserve it. But the Lord is so hungry for us to be activated in the gifts of God. Why? Why does the Father want us to be activated? Because he wants his son to be glorified. And he knows that that is one of the ways that it happens. And for me, at least, in my walk, it awakened this hunger inside of me, like, there's more 
than just this normal Christian life of just walking into the doors and just doing the thing. But the Lord would actually do something that would cause someone else to encounter him and be healed and no longer have that pain. I remember, I think sixth grade, maybe seventh grade. No, no, fifth grade summer going to the sixth grade. We went, this was a little bit, yeah. I was about to go into youth group. Youth group was going on a trip to Toronto. Uh, it was a conference, so I went up with them. And I remember being in the service, being in the way back right corner of the room, there for the whole thing. Again, couldn't tell you the messages, couldn't tell you what was talked about, probably couldn't even tell you any worship songs. But I remember being in the back and encountering the presence of the Lord for the first time. But for, you know, it wasn't that I, I fell out I, or I shook or I rolled or anything. like. I just was in worship and I was feeling this thing and all of a sudden it, the revelation of the Lord came and I was like, oh, this is this is God. This is him. And then in that moment and in those years, I would look back and realize, oh, I've felt this before when I was a kid. And I was drawing on offering envelopes in a pew during services that I wasn't even paying attention to. I know this. And the Lord began to Revealed to me, like, I have been encountering you even when you didn't know it was me. And I say that to say this. If you're in the room, you're at risk of encountering God. Even if you're not thirsty, he'll do it. And when the breakthrough comes, you'll recognize the moments that his hand was on you. I'm telling you, he... His desire is to do this. I went to school in Kansas City for a year. Went to the house of prayer there for a year when I was 19 years old some time ago. And loved it, loved it, loved that experience. Really helped form and shape me as a Christian, really. But one of the things I remember when being there was even in the mundane you could still sense his presence. And what I mean by the mundane, like, you know, we had to do 20, I say had to do, we, we got to uh, do 24 hours a week in the prayer room, which meant four to six hours a day I was in, in a worship service, essentially, a prayer meeting. And after a while, you, you kind of get used to it. You know, it's like driving, right? I don't know, New Yorkers, do you guys have licenses? But it's like driving, or, or honestly, taking the train. You have, you have the route that you take, and it's kind of like autopilot. You could fall asleep on the train. Your body wakes you up before your stop. I don't know how you guys do that. Uh, you're driving your car. You're not really thinking about turning the blinker on anymore. You're not thinking about, you know, turning the lights on. It kind of just, the rain, you just... You hit the wipers. It just, it's instinct, it's autopilot, for lack of a better term. We do that at church. We do that in our Christian walk. We come in because we, we go to church. So we go, we go to church. And then there's good, there's, we, we like the disciplines. We like the, the, the routine. There's health in it, in the, the disciplines of Christianity. But we come in and we stand up. And we'll sing when they tell us to sing. And we'll lift our hands when they tell us to lift. But are we worshiping? 
We'll sing the words, but are we singing to him? We'll pray the prayers, but who are we praying to? You know, if, if I treated my wife the same way that I sometimes treat the Lord, then it's kind of like I'm just living with someone that I don't really know. I just know I gotta get up, help get the kids, get, get the kids, we're gonna get out the door, we should have dinner together, we'll cook dinner together. But if there's no conversation, if there's no intentional interaction, if there's no eye contact, if there's no intimacy, then there's no depth, there's no relationship. And we can go through those walks with the Lord where we, we kind of, we just get into routine and we just do the thing because we do the thing. Or we sing the song maybe because we like the song. But are we worshiping him or are we worshiping worship? You know, we have, we do have times in our life when it feels like, or at least it can feel like, the Holy Spirit's left us. Which again, theologically we know he never leaves. But it can almost feel like, well, where are you? And I've had seasons in my life where I would say I haven't even done anything wrong. I haven't, like, slipped into sin. I'm, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to church. I'm engaging. I have a, a heartfelt engaging. But it just kind of feel I feel distant sometimes. And it can feel like the Lord's not there. And what happens, what can happen in those seasons where we're not sensing him as much as we used to is we then will start to expect at the same level of our experience. Now follow me. You guys good? Our experience in the Lord many times and probably most of the time, is at the same level of our expectation of what he'll do. But the reality of what happens is when we experience less, then we expect less. And then when we expect less, then we experience less. And then when we experience less, then we expect less. And we end up on this downward spiral that we kind of get into this thing where we just, we go to church, but we don't actually expect anything to happen. We come into these doors, we sit in these seats, and we're going to do church because we like to see the people and we like the songs, and we, but we're not actually expecting our life to change today. We're not expecting to receive a healing. We're not expecting to receive a word. Maybe we want to be encouraged a little bit by, by the preaching, and, and I hope that you are. But there's this expectation that we're just going to be here. And that's as far as our expectation goes. And how do you get out of that? How do you break that spiral where we're continuing to expect less and experience less? I'm glad you asked. Because listen, it's, it's, it's not just our doctrinal position. That's the point I'm making. Just because we believe he heals doesn't mean we'll see it. Just because we believe that he sets people free doesn't mean we'll experience it. 
And we get into these things that over time, our experience ends up lessening our faith. And again, I I said it two weeks ago, but faith is a sense of expectation to see into the unseen realm something God wants to do and bring it into our today. Bill Johnson has this quote. He says, God understood this thing as he said, we are to remember the commandments and the testimonies. And as the people of God, we forget the testimonies. And when we forget the testimonies, we will always go back and backwards. I want to say it again. We are to remember the commandments and the testimonies of God. But when the people of God forget the testimonies, they will go back and go backwards. One of the ways to get out of that cycle of expecting less is to remind yourself of things that the Lord has done. To remind yourself of testimonies. Another way is to get around people who are not having that same experience. You want to have breakthrough and see the Lord move, get around people who are having breakthrough in the very area that you want to see breakthrough in. If I'm in a season where I'm just not as hungry, not as thirsty as I used to be, I get around the people that are, are, are radical. I get around the ones that are going after the Lord and taking risk. There, there is a kind of power that's the power of the Lord that is rooted in his love. Okay, I'll say it like this. And I, I feel like I am preaching to the choir because I know you guys and I know your desire for the things of God and to see him move, both in this space but in our lives. But I, I don't want to get into the rut of the Sunday to Sunday Christianity. I want it to be a, a lifestyle but I also want it to be a lifestyle where we really are experiencing the things that God has promised us to, that we would get to experience. And that takes the Holy Spirit. And for me, I remember, can I tell another story? Yeah. I remember being, again, I don't know where it was. I think it was Baltimore. We were going to a conference. It was a voice of, Voice of the Apostles with Randy Clark. And I remember at that specific conference was a guy named um, Roland Baker, Heidi Baker's husband. And so he was there. And for those of you who don't know his story, I'll just tell the one portion. He was dealing with this illness where he was literally losing his mind. And I think he had like 96% loss of function or whatever it was. Like he... Something was going on with his brain. Something was going on with his mind. And he ends up getting radically healed. Radically healed. And 
that conference is like two, three weeks after this happened. So he's on the stage and they're sharing the testimony. But, you know, I had experienced him before. I experienced the bakers before. And when I looked at him, I was like, something is very different, which obviously, if the Lord radically healed you, obviously something's very different. But for me personally, I, I'm listening to this guy and I'm listening to people and something inside of me just like woke up. Like, oh, I'm not okay with the way I'm living right now. I, I want my hunger to match the hunger of this man with the things that are coming off and coming from this stage and coming from this person. And I remember that conference saying, Lord, I need an encounter with you. I need a touch from you. And I said, Lord, not, not like I need a touch that changes my life. And it was a simple prayer. And I remember those four days. There was a moment. It was during an offering message. And literally you could watch it in the room. It was, there was, room was like a triangle, kind of like a stadium. But it was a church, it was like flat like this. But then the back had like a balcony across the back. And the back right of the balcony, all of a sudden, you can kind of see like something was happening. And this guy is literally taking an offering message. And all of a sudden, like, these people just start laughing and shouting. And then, all right, whatever. But then all of a sudden, it, it hits the next row. And then it hits the next row. And then it hits the next row. And pretty soon, it's like this wave that's coming across the whole room. Literally, I'm watching this thing happen. And it's coming towards me. And then all of a sudden, it comes to our row. And before I know it, I'm under the, my pew. I thought I was passing out. Like, this was my experience. I thought I was dehydrated. Like, that, it was like a feeling of being dehydrated. Like, I was seeing stars. And I was, I was, like, nervous. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, call 911. Like, that type of thing for a moment. And I'm just under the pew. No one's with me. No, no, I'm not hearing anything. But the power of God touched me. All right. Next day, we're in the altar. And again, this cry of my heart. It's just like, Lord, I just want you. I don't know what this is going to look like, and I don't even know how this is going to change my life. I just, there's power in this room, and I want, I want to encounter that. I want to experience that. I'm not okay with my life just being a normal life. I want my life to be filled with the power of God. And so this was my, my approach. I was super hungry, super thirsty at this point. So I'm in the altar. There's an altar call. They're going through. And I'm just there. Again, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just probably 18, 19 years old. I'm still young. I'm still, my brain's not fully developed. Like, I just know I want God. And no one could convince me of anything else. Like, 19-year-old at a conference, right? And I'm not here to toot my own horn. It's just, this was my story. And so I'm in the altar, and they're coming. And, and no, the guy, I think it was, doesn't matter who it was, but the guy's coming to minister. He's praying, laying hands on people. And you know, like, the, if you're in the charismatic streams, you're just like, Closing your eyes, like, I know they said it's the Lord, but you're really trying to get this guy to lay hands on you, so you're, like, moving and trying to get, because they're, like, jumping, and you're, like, oh, he's over there now. And so, like, I'm doing the thing, and I'm, like, oh, they're going to pass me by, because there's hundreds of people. And so then I'm here, and the guy kind of looks at us, and he doesn't come over. He just goes like this. And I'm not joking you. Me and, and the kid next to me, we flew up off our feet over the front row, two rows of chairs, and landed in the aisle. And I'm just, like, what is that? I don't know. I don't know. And then I remember the, the, I don't know if it was later that day or the next day, we're in the lobby, 
and I'm telling you, this was a, a very wild conference. We're in the lobby, and they're coming down the lobby, and, and the same thing, just over and over again, the Lord just began to encounter me. He just began to encounter me. He began to speak to my heart. He began to fill me. And, and you might be like, well, what's the point? What's the, like, do I have to fall out? Do I have to? No, no, that's, the point isn't the manifestation. The point is, it marked my life in such a way that I was like, I am, I am never doing normal church. I'm 32 years old right now, and I can tell you, I've had struggle, I've had sin issue, I've had addiction that I've had to break, but even through all of that, my life has always been filled with the presence of God. And one of the things that has kept me burning is constantly checking the meter of my heart. Are you still thirsty, Rich? Are you still expecting me to move, Rich? Are you still expecting healing when you pray for it? Are you still expecting me to encounter you? Are you still expecting dreams? Or are you just doing life without me? And I got to a point, especially in my younger life, literally nothing would satisfy me unless I was in the presence of God. And it did. It looked like hanging out with friends and it turned into a prayer meeting. It looked like Going to bed at night and just putting on Corey Russell's prayer thing where he's just praying in tongues for 60 minutes and just putting that on repeat and sleeping while I have eight hours of someone just praying in tongues. It looked like radical things that just was different, but it kept me burning. It kept me steady. It looked like when I was going through a dry season, well, I need to get around different people. Maybe it's not even anyone in my friend group. Well, I'm going to get around a leader. I'm going to get around an elder. I'm going to get around someone. I'm going to get around, and I did for like six years. I'm going to get around that weird dance banner team people group, and I'm going to join the banner team as a 16-year-old because they're burning. And I'll wear purple and black pants, and I'll wave a banner on a PVC pipe because that means I get to spend a couple hours a week with these people. And I'll save up my money not to go on vacation, but to go to a conference and receive of the Holy Spirit. And I'll save my money to buy a book, to a CD, something to keep feeding my spirit because I was thirsty. And the more I drank, the thirstier I got. Are you thirsty? Do you still have that expectation that you could come into these meetings and one touch from God and everything will change? And I know we, we talk about perseverance and we talk about a lifestyle and we talk about you know, doing the day-to-day, -day, the mundane, and there, there is value and there is truth where we, we got to serve the Lord even when we're not feeling it. We're going to get in our scripture even when we're not feeling it. We're going to continue to come to church. We're going to continue. We're not going to forsake the gathering together of the assembly as others have done. That's the scripture. I'm not talking about 2020 and 2021, but it feels like it's... Anyway, um, we're not going to forsake the gathering together because we understand that there are only... There are some things that can only happen in the gathering of two or three. Yeah. 
So we're going to do the things. We're going to do the, the, the longevity, the, the persevering, the I'm going to go for the 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. I'm going to run the distance. It's the Isaiah. Young men grow tired when we were youth, they stumble and fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall be lifted up on wings like eagles. They shall walk and not grow weary. They shall run and not faint. It's this thing. Yeah, it's the long haul. But there's also this part of God that's the Acts 1 God where and then suddenly. He's still the God of the end, then, suddenly. A sound from heaven. Oh, of a rushing mighty wind. And I can tell you, it's, it's not 10 times a year or 20 times a year. It's been maybe 10, 15 times in my life where I've had the end suddenlies. Where it's this big thing. But then throughout the year, maybe it's not this big life, but there is still the moments where the Lord will come in and he will encounter me. There's still the meetings where I'm before him and all of a sudden the tears flow again. There's still the moments in the secret place where I'm in the scripture and it's just like, you know, probably for most of us and most of the time we're in the scripture and I'm like, oh my God, I'm falling asleep. But then there's those times you're reading and it's like, I can't even put this down because it's giving me life. Are you thirsty? And then we're going a little over. Can I have five more minutes? Yeah? Raise your hand if I can five minutes. Five, 10, 15, 20. We're good. I don't have time to share it, but when you, when you look through revival history, you, you see accounts from guys like D.L. Moody or William Seymour or Charles Finney or Smith Wigglesworth. And, and honestly, like these are accounts of you know, prominent men and women of God that make the books, that make the articles, that make the, the podcasts or whatever. But I'm sure when we get to heaven... And we, you know, we see the accounts from heaven. You're going to see hundreds, thousands, millions of men and women of God who the Lord sovereignly, but not just sovereignly, meets them and has met them because of hunger and thirst for the more of God. And yeah, we have these stories. D.L. Moody, he was right over here on Wall Street. He was just praying and walking with the Lord, and all of a sudden, the Lord arrested his soul, and he just, you know, there used to be houses here, knocked on the door of someone and said, let me in just so he can come and pray, and then for him, the rest is history. The Lord encounters him in a moment. We see the stories of, of William Seymour in Azusa Street, and the Lord encounters them and brings in the gift of the Holy Spirit for an entire generation to experience with the gift of tongues. We see the Charles Fitty. We see these stories of men and women the Amy Sibyl McPhersons, the different ones that have encountered the Lord in a moment and it's changed everything. And what I love too is they don't have perfect stories. Many of them had troubles in life. They had uh, issues with their kids or in the marriage. They've experienced death. They experienced financial hardship. They experienced things. But their life was marked by the presence of God and they didn't change the subject. 
they stayed thirsty. I'm going to tell one, one more story and then we'll close if the worship team wants to come on up. When I was, um, I, don't, I don't know how old I was, but we were in a conference in Connecticut. I've been to a lot of conferences, as you can tell from, from today. Um, and, but honestly, you know, I'm grateful for it. I know, I know that some people have different opinions, but for me, things like youth retreats, things like winter retreats, where I have been able to go away, get out of my normal life, like normal schedule and go away. Maybe it was a youth retreat or a winter retreat with my church. Maybe it was a missions trip. Maybe it was a conference. But to just go away for the sole purpose of encountering the Lord with people, it has created a momentum in my life that I am forever grateful for. And I think that can happen too, coming on Sunday mornings and coming to the midweek classes. That can happen. The point is there is value in breaking out of routine for the sake of encountering the Lord. And that, for you, that might look like, all right, I'm going to commit to come to Wednesday night class this year. For you, that might look like if we go on a retreat or a trip or a conference, do you know what? Normally I don't go. I'm going to go this time. There's something about an on-purpose, set-aside time of seeking the face of God that just breaks. I mean, I'd get more amens. It's like, it's really important for you to take a vacation and rest. Amen. Yeah, that's important too, right? But if you will, a, a spiritual retreat. It, I think it's important. Jesus would do it. Jesus maybe didn't go on a three-day retreat, but he went up on the mountain by himself. Or maybe he went with just the two, right? He would retreat for, maybe for him it was a day. Maybe for him it was some hours. But that's kind of exactly what we're talking about here. It's the, maybe I'll give a couple hours every week and gather and study a scripture or a topic. We just did intercession. You, you did 12 weeks of intercession. Maybe, maybe it looks like I'm going to go on the retreat this time, or I'm going to go to the conference this time, and it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you money. It's going to be days off of work. It's going to be maybe playing catch-up. It's going to be maybe having to get babysitters for your kids. I don't know. It's going to cost you something, but it's worth it. This wasn't a pitch to, we're going to announce a trip next week or something like that, but it, it's, I, I like to just give practical explanation as well, because sometimes a simple a small, simple shift in the way you do life and the way that you think, a small shift in planning and scheduling can actually drastically change your entire life. And I have a heart for this congregation to see every single one of you, not just doing well in life, but activated for the work of ministry. And do you know when I say work of ministry, I don't mean that you're all going to become pastors. Or evangelists. It's, it's this reality. If you are a Christian, there is a work that the Lord has for you. And it could be your job. It could be your school. It could be your family. 
You guys can start playing. No, you're good. <laughs> Is this helpful today? You know, I, um, I wrote this probably eight years ago. Would have been showing you how good I am at head math. 32 minus 8 is uh, 24. I was 24 year old when I wrote this. And I've preached this sermon a few, probably quite a few times, and I come back to it. And even as I was reading it last night and going over it again this morning, I felt the Lord say to my heart, like, Rich, are you thirsty? And almost like, and not in like a condemning way, but this loving father said, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know there's more. You know there's more. There's more that I have for you. And I feel the same invitation today for us. The same father is looking to you and he's saying, are you thirsty? Say, Matthias, are you thirsty? Dean, are you thirsty? Ivan, are you thirsty? Fill in your name. Are you thirsty? Claudia, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? What are you doing? But it's like this smile on his face, like, come on. I want to show you things. I want to show you things. Yes, that, that person at your job, I want to heal him. I, I want to heal them. I want to encourage them. That thing you're going through, whatever it is. I know you're up here, but yeah. So I'll, here's what I want to do, because I'm way over time. I want to, I'm going to pray. I want to pray for us. And then after I'm done praying, if you got to go, dismiss you to go. But we're going to release some words of knowledge. I felt like the Lord wants to heal some people. And we're going to pray for those that just are desiring a hunger and thirst to be activated in their hearts again. So why don't you stand with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you for this company. Lord, you said, let all who are thirsty come to me and drink. And then Acts, you said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power. It was your desire that we would drink of you, that we would drink of your spirit. Lord, just as you did with the widow, as she gathered jars so that you could bring not just oil for today, but oil for the rest of her life and her son's life. Oil that could be sold for financial provision for them. Lord, you know what we need. But Lord, I ask that you re release a grace over this company again.
to hunger and to thirst. Lord, would you be like salt in our mouth? Make us thirsty again, God, for your ways. And Father, I ask that you would release a season of perpetual encounter in this house. Father, I ask that you would begin to fill ones, even today, Lord, to overflow. Lord, that you'd begin to encounter us in our dreams. That you'd begin to encounter us in our worship services. God, we give you permission to interrupt our services, to interrupt our life, to interrupt our days, to interrupt our schedules. We want you, God. We want to encounter you. Lord, for those that need reminding, remind us of the prophecies, of the promises. Remind us of past seasons where the fire seemed to burn so hot we thought we would be completely consumed. Lord, remind us of our youth. Remind us of our early years where we could do nothing. We couldn't go a day without encountering you without sitting in your presence, without singing, without praying, without whatever, Lord. We just wanted you. And Lord, for those who've never had this experience before, God, I ask, encounter them today, even for the first time. Fill them today, even for the first time. Let their cup overflow. Let it run over. Anoint their head with oil today. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at Life Center NYC or YouTube at Life Center Church NYC.